Welcome to episode 16 of Golden Shower of Hits. On today's podcast, Jamie and Mike will analyze Smashing Pumpkins' 1991 debut album, Gish. I was 18 when this record came out, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. It was everything I had been trying to do as a guitarist and songwriter up to that point in my life, but fully realized and way better than I was doing it. I loved it. Most stuff from the 90s hasn't aged well for me personally, and while this album is no exception, it will always hold a special place in my heart. I'm pretty sure Jamie thinks it sucks. Hello? What the fuck? I thought you were ready. It fucking rang for an hour. <laughs> I realized my uh, headphone cable was tangled up, so I unplugged my headphone, and then I, <laughs> I didn't hear the Skype call coming in. I love how you're the audio guy, and you consistently have audio issues. <laughs> of course. Well, it's like I'm the tech guy, too, and I have, you know, it's like the cobbler has the worst shoes, right? So... <laughs> I can't tell I've you. I've never heard that, but I believe I believe that. Yeah, it's amazing. It, it's like the cobbler's children have the worst shoes. I think is the saying. But um, yeah, like I can't tell you how many times we have like internet problems here at home, and I, you know I do IT for a living. <laughs> and Jennifer's always like, "Can I just have a long cable that goes from the cable modem and bypasses all your bullshit and plugs into my laptop?" <laughs> <laughs> and I consistently tell her, "No, <laughs> we're not Good. doing that." Good. You suffer the consequences of marrying me. Oh, that's rough. How are you doing? You sound different. I sound different. Are you in a different room or are you using a different mic or something? No. Huh. Um, I'm in the champagne room. I'm using the same <laughs> mic, uh, the same preamp, the same interface, the same everything. I might be going lower gain than normal because of the issues that I've had in the past. Yeah. Peaking and whatnot. Ah. Um. So, Are you yeah. having peaking issues in couch riffs or just in general or what? No, I mean, I'm just, you know, it just took me over 100 episodes to get the hang of it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I only got 75 more episodes to figure out my shit on the uh, I mean, the, the golden, well, first of all, it's called golden shower. <laughs> God damn it. I knew you were going to catch that. But a second of all, um... I mean, it already sounds better than couch riff, so... <laughs> I don't know about you know, that. the fuck do I know? Um, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. That's it, man. How's your day? How's your weekend? How's, how's Sunday? It's, uh, it's been a very frustrating weekend, so... Really? Yeah, I was extremely agitated yesterday and today. I'm trying to work out some uh, Verizon stuff for my grandmother's cell phone and i don't have i like it's like i kind of have access but 
they really clamp down on you know what you have to do to be able to access accounts for cell phones because people's cell phones can do so much stuff you know if you right can get a hold of their thing you can get in their people's iclouds you can reset passwords for their email and other accounts and stuff so they're super <clears throat> uh you know they, they put a lot of restrictions and and whatnot and so i'm trying to access her account and you have to have this pin and they're like well we can text the pin to her but she has a feature phone you know and like getting text messages on a flip phone for an 86 year old woman is not <laughs> right know, easy to do. So I'm trying to figure out, you know. So I, I like went to the Verizon store. They were supposed to be open until seven. I got there at six fifteen, and they were closed. And then, uh, and then uh. I had to go again today. And then um, a friend of mine, I have a so I've been building a like a replica of uh, the favorite, my most favorite BMX bike I ever owned, and it's a like a weird hodgepodge of all these parts. <clears throat> and it's been sitting at my friend's shop for like five years, right? Just unfinished because I'm still waiting for parts. And I got, I saw on his Instagram that somebody broke into his shop and stole like a ton of bikes and a ton of the vintage bikes in his shop. And I was like, fuck, you know? Um, no. And I was, was super bummed because like I literally ordered um, like the seat post from Australia. I ordered the, um, you know, tires from like white tires that had never been ridden that were made in 1988. Oh. I, I ordered them from Japan, right? Like I paid a lot of money for these parts. Right. And like the thing is, you know, he has insurance, I have insurance. The money's not the problem. It's I'm never going to find these parts again, you know? So right. uh, I was super upset when I found out that he got broken into and somebody had taken the vintage bikes. Cause the thing is, you know, I know it's some little dirtbag BMX kids and you know, maybe, maybe not. They might be idiots. And here's the thing about rare shit like that. It's like, you better not ever show up anywhere with it. Right. And that's the, that's kind of what I was afraid of. Cause once they figure out that everybody's looking for this stuff, what's going to happen is they're going to throw it in the dump. You know what I mean? So mm. I was, but I, I got word from him later in the day that uh, my bike was still there. So I need to, <laughs> I need to go get that back from him. <laughs> you need to go get that post haste yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna wait till next weekend you know because i'm sure he's dealing with a lot of shit and i don't want to you know be selfish like hey i got my thing i'm out of here you know so why uh, not i don't want to be a dick hey buddies i'm sorry about what happened to you but i want my shit <laughs> right yeah well i'm trying to be a little... let me get my shit out of since it's a liability to you right yeah i'm gonna take my stuff out of here yeah or create less of an appeal for another break-in yeah so uh, I think next weekend I'm going to go down there and pick it up. So it should be fine. There's nothing worse than having your shit stolen, man. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. I've had been, my, I've been had my van lucky, stolen twice once. Your what stolen? My van. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm always Do you remember so, my old Toyota van? No. Nah, I don't think I ever saw it. That's what I was driving when we met. Like Wait, one what, of those weird four-wheel four drive Toyota moon buggy vans. Was it the one where the, the steering wheel's on the other side? No. Oh, okay. I see a lot of those around in Portland. Really? Yeah. Some weird like mail delivery or English? No, they're like, um, I think I, I think what happens is they get imported to Canada from Japan, and then a bunch of people go up to Canada to buy them and bring them here. Uh, a friend of mine has one, but yeah, it's like a right-hand drive or whatever. It's pretty cool, but so I thought Weird. maybe that's what you had. Nah, no, it was just a killer van. Yeah, four wheel drive Toyota van. That's pretty cool. It had like a little refrigerator in the console. 
that you could put oh, really? a six. Well, <laughs> six I think it was, pack. you could put a six pack in it, <laughs> right, right. but I think it was, I think it was meant for you put your lunch in there, uh-huh. whatever, you know, or whatever your condiments for when you go camping. Right. You know? So you could put a six pack in there. So it was definitely from Canada then, right? <laughs> they were thinking ahead, eh? Yeah. 24 Elsinore. What? <laughs> you never, you weren't a fan of uh, the movie Strange Brew as a kid? Yeah, I was with the mouse and the whole thing. Yeah, was yeah. That, uh, was that the address of the brewery? Uh, they, when they go to the uh, liquor store and, and first do the mouse thing, they order 24 Elsinore and the guy yells, 24 Elsinore in the microphone. And then it comes out on a <laughs> conveyor belt. And then the guy says, if you want free beer, go to the brewery. So then they go to the brewery and there's a fork in the road and, one fork goes to the loony bin. The other fork goes to the brewery. I, 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 I literally... It's been a long time since I watched that one. Yeah, no, I uh, watched it like six months ago. And when I was a kid uh, in like 1986, when I was in sixth grade, um, I would get up every morning and watch it. Like for, really? an, for an entire summer. Yeah. No. Yeah. Every single day I would watch uh, Strange Brew. I didn't have very many friends. so I didn't Every really, day. Yeah, I didn't have much to do. So for yeah, for an entire summer, watch Strange Brew every morning before I would do anything else. Had a Betamax copy of it. It was great. Right. So Betamax. Hey, let me tell you something. <laughs> yeah. I know that there's still a video store. Um, what is that place called? Vertigo? What's it called over there in Southeast? Oh, um, what is that place called? I know what you're talking about off of Clinton Street or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. What is it called? Ah, shit. No, 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 not off Clinton. It's off, um, it's on Belmont, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, like Belmont 40th or some shit. It's a yeah. big place. Movie Madness? Yeah. Is yeah, that yeah. still there? Uh, I don't know. It looks like it, I mean, according to uh, Google Maps, it's still there, so. Well, here, like 20 minutes from my house, there is still a video store that rents VHS cassettes. Really? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And they're open like three days a week. <laughs> um, and so it's just a fucking, I don't even understand how the fuck it is in business. Well, I know that, uh, you know how like people in our generation got back into collecting records and stuff. What do you that, mean got back into well, it? Well, records are being I never got out because, of it. Yeah, it's fuck, I know. You know what? These fucking people <laughs> Jesus, here who we go. are like, oh, I've been buying vinyls <laughs> vinyls <laughs> yeah yeah uh. anyways uh there's like the younger generation of kids um a bunch of them are into vhs tapes so like we have a like a 20 something employee and he's super into vhs really yeah i guess there are worse things aren't there well <laughs> i mean you know <sighs> i mean it doesn't look great no no not at all um you know i there is a there's there a, are a lot of things on VHS that you can't get on on disc or on streaming though, and so there's that. Yeah, but I, I feel like if you liked it you enough, know, let you me, would rip it to a digital format and then not have to fuck with it. You know what I mean? I don't know how to fucking rip shit from a VHS to digital. They make, and all, nor do I want to spend a bunch of money. They, what were you going to say? They make a thing that'll put it on a DVD for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much does that cost? Like 75 bucks, 100 bucks? Maybe? There's no movie that I love enough to spend $75 plus $2.99 for the VHS plus find a blank DVD somewhere. You know, like <laughs> where the fuck do you even find those anymore? Yeah. 
I mean, I, I think and um, you'd have a better and easier time buying a cassette tape. Well, did you ever get into the speaking of which? Jesus, <laughs> let's shift gears. Okay. Did you ever get into those? What were they? Fisher Price? No, they were. They were so. Uh, they were video cameras that that recorded onto cassette tapes. Ah, uh, yes, I have a good story about one of these too. But go ahead. They're called the something two thousand. The the Pixel two thousand. Right, right. Yeah. So cool. Those are great. Yeah, I never actually saw one or played with them, but a friend of mine named Gary, uh, back from the Midwest, uh, him and his girlfriend bought one, and they filmed themselves having sex, uh, and then kind of forgot about it and and returned the thing to the store with the tape in it. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know if anybody ever saw the tape, but yeah, I, I think they returned it, and then they freaked out remembering like, oh, fuck. We filmed the porno on this fucking kid's toy and then returned it to fucking Toys R Us or whatever. <laughs> that is, yeah. that's probably something that you could be prosecuted oh, for. Oh, probably, yeah. That's, that's gnarly. Yeah, definitely was not me. Just to make that clear. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, Although, I worked Let me say this. Uh, that story was relayed to me by John, so it's entirely possible it's a John toy. <laughs> So, I should, I, you know, I'm friends with Gary on Facebook. I should ask him about it. I worked at this pawn shop, right, mm -hmm. for a while. And when things came up, you know, we would like, uh, if it was a camera, we would we would check the camera before we yeah, put it yeah. out on the floor for sale. Uh, we would always give some, like, let someone know, like, hey, your, your stuff is, you know, a couple days from being pawned. And then on the day again, like, hey, it's it's your due date. Like you gotta, you know, you gotta take care of this or right. you gotta come pay the fucking finance, the rental or whatever, you know, basically it's a fucking rental. Yeah. And then, um, you know, if they, if they didn't fucking come snatch their shit, then out it goes for sale on the shelf with all the other shit. Right. Right. Well, those cameras every once in a while, you'd find some real gems. <laughs> you can imagine. On the, on the memory cards. There's some, there's some stuff oh, to boy. be seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I've seen probably pretty much everything. <laughs> I feel like, uh, so I, I feel like we need a music bed for whenever you are about to tell us about a previous job you've had. <laughs> <laughs> like some sort of like the mood music that happens when when a villain is kind of about to show up in frame. Yeah. Well, just like a little intro, like, uh, you know, <laughs> previous jobs with Mike. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. And then you're like, I worked at a pawn shop. I dug graves. Yeah. This is fucking nuts. I've had a lot of jobs. Yeah, I man. know. Yeah. Well, you've had a lot of jobs. You're technically still uh, an employee of the grave digging, digging place, right? They told you. Well, to come, yeah. I mean, I told you to come back when your hair come. wasn't pink or whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> Did I ever tell you the story about when I got my palm red in San Francisco? No. Have I told that story here? Uh, no. Every time I get a new job, I think about this and I was like, yeah, it's, it was all foretold. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> when I was in the Marine Corps, me and a buddy of mine, um, we hitchhiked up to San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, to go try and get some drugs, acid. Because we got burned in Vegas, <laughs> I think I did hear uh, that story. But yeah, in a dead in a dead parking lot, and so we went up to San Francisco the next week or two weeks later, and 
we were down on the pier and there was some guy down there and he convinced me to sit down and let him read my palm. And I was like, okay, sure. Mm -hmm. And we sit down and he takes my hand and you're like, you know, I'm more fit, certainly more fit than I am now, but, um, you know, I wasn't like Mr. Fitness. Right. Right. Uh, and he, and he goes, Hmm, are you a dancer? (laughs) (laughs) Why? Yes. Yeah. I was like, uh, no, no, I'm, I'm not a dancer. And he says, uh, hmm, are you a painter? I said, I play guitar. If you're fishing for a fight, you know. Right. And then um, he says something so generic and so musician directed. He says, <laughs> he's like looking at, telling me that what the different lines in my hand mean. Right. And then he says, um, it says here, you're going to have a lot of jobs um, <laughs> says, says, what I see here is that you're going to have uh, a lot of jobs before you find the thing that you, that you, uh, before you land on whatever it is, you know, like basically, right, right. uh, you're going to want to be a professional musician and you're probably going to come pretty close to doing it with some regularity, but really you're going to have a bunch of jobs that you don't want to have for your whole life. Right get used to it. That's what he wanted to say. Right. But yeah. I think he was hoping for a tip. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so he spun it with some positivity. Yeah. I actually, you remember in the um, early nineties, they had like a 900 number you could call. Um, that was like a, you know, a fortune teller or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I was like, I, I think I was shit. down on my luck at the time. So I called it and uh, I remember she gave me a reading and it was a fully negative reading. It was like this next year, you're going to have the hardest year financially, blah, blah, blah. It was like all this really bad stuff. I was super bummed. And then it was completely wrong. Like uh, that year I ended up making more money than I ever made in my life. And it was, yeah. So yeah, I, I don't really go for, um, you know, star gazers. <laughs> right, yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, I don't, you know? I, I don't believe, I'm not a believer in magic, but at the time I was young and dumb. So I thought, well, you know, what can it hurt? And, uh, you know, it's just, it just hurt me to the tune of like $12 on my phone bill or whatever. So, right, which at the time was, was like $50. Yeah, right. God. Yeah. That was probably about the time this album came out. <laughs> probably. So, ah, Smashing Pumpkins, gish. Yeah, man. Yeah, I have a confession to make. Uh, You didn't listen to the record this week. No, I did. I listened to it (laughs) quite a bit, actually. Uh, I always always think that um, that this record is this... I always... I I, I get the records confused. Okay. And and I like this record, but but Siamese Dream is the one I love. Yeah, the second record. Yeah. Yeah. But this I you know what? This record is is fucking good. And do you know what this record reminds me of? Jane's Addiction. That's right. Yeah. It reminds me of Jane's Addiction and um and I feel like for whatever reason Jane's Addiction is their record of this era was is held in this regard that the Smashing Pumpkins isn't for you know, I don't know, but it, it's curious to me. So wait, let's ha, let's stop the brakes for a second. So you think that you're surprised that Jane's Addiction is held in a higher regard than this record? 
I mean, they came along five years before, four or five years before, right? right? So there's that. Um, I think that Smashing Pumpkins had been around for a while, and I think Billy Corgan is a fucking great guitarist. I think he had a a unique has a unique and very individual sound, and you always know a Smashing Pumpkins song, you know. Even later on, when they when he started writing. You know, outside of his what he was originally known for, you know, right? Mm. Yeah. So my uh, so and Chamberlain is fucking great. Jimmy Chamberlain is a great drummer. So I'm not a Smashing Pumpkins fan. I've never owned any of their stuff and never cared for any of the singles that I heard on MTV and stuff back in the day. So you know, I guess my default position on Smashing Pumpkins was I did not like Smashing Pumpkins. Um, right. So, but I tried to, you know, I always try to go into these uh, episodes with an open mind and I put Is the- Is that true? Yeah. Why wouldn't I? I don't know. Um, just asking, just checking. Yeah, no, I, I totally, you know, because uh, as I've gotten older, I have um, found that I like things that I didn't like for whatever reason as a kid, you know? So, you know, when I'm 22 and I hear this singles on the radio or you know, and I'm irritated by their fans or, you know, for whatever reason, I didn't care for Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, right. At 46, I'm like, all right, well, let me give this a legitimate shot, you know, because I may find out that I like it, you know. Um, and I put this album on and listen to the first song, which, you know, it comes in with the drums, which, yeah, Jimmy Chamberlain, holy fuck, is that guy a good drummer? What and, the fucking master? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, like the best part of this band is that dude um the tuning of the drums and the recording of the drums on the first song are just amazing and then they get you know the bass comes in the bass playing is great and the bass sound is fucking great the guitars come in you know and i'm like wow this is really good i really like this i was shocked you know um but then i realized that you know so i i you know and, and when I listen to the album, at least for the f- the first time I listened to it um, on one of these weeks, I, you know, use typically what I do is I go to Taco Bell and eat some food <laughs> and just listen to the album in my, my car. So there's no distractions. I'm not playing a game on my phone. I'm not, you know, I, I'm just eating. I have uh, a thing up where Let I Let me ask notes. you this. What's, what's that? What's your go-to? Uh, what's your go-to menu item? Uh, shred- uh, two shredded chicken burritos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, and that's the only thing I get at Taco Bell for months and months and months. I think we've covered that. I that doesn't tend to eat yeah, the same thing over and over again. It's it's great because I I order on the app on my phone and there's a favorites button and I just hit favorite and then just hit reorder and you know I go there and I'm like, hey, it's Jamie. I ordered on the app. I actually got to talk about so much. They actually know my car when I pull up. <laughs> so, so, really? I, so I get to the thing and they're like, Hey Jamie, we'll get it started for you. I'm like, all right. So yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Anyways. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, I listen, I'm listening to the album and you know, for the first, I'd say first third of it, I'm like, this is really good. And then towards the end, I was not into it. So to me, it's it's kind of like pancakes, you know, like I've heard a comedian say this before, like pancakes when you first get them are fucking amazing. And then at the, you know, 
at the end, you're just miserable, right? Like it's just, it's just too much. Like, ugh. but when, you know, those first like handful of bites worth of, uh, of pancakes is just incredible. And then by the end of it, you're just fucking sick of it. And that's kind of how I felt about this record. Like I was just bored and over it at the end. So here's what I, yeah. here's how I feel about this record. And here's, here's why the second record holds up a lot better. Um, is that the songs on the second record are a lot better, but this record is a vibe record. It's like a, it's like a, it's a psychedelic record. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a fucking psychedelic, like, I hate this word grunge, but it's like a, it's a psychedelic fucking heavy post Jane's addiction grunge record. Yeah. Maybe. I, I don't know. I, I mean, mean to me, it was seemed happening like... in 91. It was like, pretty unique yeah i mean to me it seemed like uh you know i know john's super into this record and uh i never really understood that and then i after listening to this and i i was under the uh, assumption that you were super into this record too and once i listened to this record i'm like oh this is a fucking uh a shredder record disguised as an indie rock record Pretty much. Like, these guys are I just mean, shredding on guitar. Like, it's, it may as well be, you know, 1985 well, and a bunch of Aquanet. Like, these guys are... Oh, it's not like it's, that. It's fucking... There's a lot of shredding on this record. His... The type of shredding he does isn't technical shredding, though. It's more like... It's more way more psychedelic and way more feel. Although I think that he probably grew up on some of that oh, I would think shreddy so, yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, you should do yourself a favor and go look, go on YouTube and just look up like, uh, old, like old footage of, of Corgan soloing and the uh, footage from like 1990 and 1991, 92 yeah. of, of those guys playing live. Cause it's great. Huh. Yeah, yeah, maybe I'll look into that. Really, really good. I think that you'll have a a greater appreciation for it. Yeah, I will I say, think. you know, uh, one. I just want to put a side note in here. Um, I did like the last song on the record, "Daydream," the one that's sang by the bass player. Um, yeah. So I thought that was really good. Uh, I thought that you might like that. There's always yeah. like a that's a nice you. Uh, that's like a. Like the Pixies with the with the female vocals. Oh, fucking Ken! And the dude. and the unison She's and so the back good. and forth stuff. Oh yeah, yeah it's great. God damn, so amazing. Um, yeah, I, I you know, I feel like this. I feel like this record would have been a great seven inch. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Like a, a single with a fucking B-side? Uh, no, like, well, I guess, you know, being a punk rock guy, seven inches, you know, multiple songs on each side, but they're all short. Uh, I, I feel like um, they could have cut a bunch of these songs off this record, and I would have liked it much oh, more. dude, come on. It's just, it's pancakes, dude. It's just too, it's just too, like, like I said, for the first third of it, I was super into it, and then, like, ugh, it was just too much. I was over it. I... I think Do you that. Know how, hey, I think you know that, how Andy. You know how. Uh, how you know. Uh, uh, I already fucked this joke up. <laughs> Do you want to read it you off your notes? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't have. I don't have notes. What is it? How do you? You know the joke about the indie rockers being full of shit because no. they're always lying about the seven inches they have. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard that before. That's pretty good. Uh, you never. 
No. Yeah, pretty good. Um, yeah, I feel like uh, I think Billy Corgan's a, a lousy singer. Well, yeah, he's you know the like this this stuff would have been much better you think with a, he's a, a great lousy singer. singer? Well, I, I would have liked this much more with a different singer. I don't I don't eh. like his his timbre or whatever the term is. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't I don't I don't completely go for his voice, but he is the voice of Smashing Pumpkins, so there there you go. And I mean, it's just I guess, it's too bad when you have good songs and you don't realize that you're not the strong, you know, your singing is not strong enough to support those songs. It's like Pete Townsend knew that he needed Roger well, buddy, Daltrey, you, you know? know. Hey, let me let me reiterate something or let me <laughs> remind you of something. These guys have sold a lot of records. Yeah. So apparently his voice can support these songs. <laughs> I just want to I just want to make sure you that isn't uh, lost on you. No, but uh I think the stuff would have been better with a different singer. So they it's probably possible, but I mean, they would have sold some records one. to me had it had a different singer probably. <laughs> so they lost out on that 1099. <laughs> <laughs> or however much a CD costs. Well, you're going to wait till you could find it used? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Cheapskate. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Speaking of buying... I d- yeah, I mean, <laughs> I do think that their songs got better over the years, you know, as the records progressed. Yeah. Mm, you know who loves the Smashing Pumpkins? <laughs> no. My wife. Oh, really? <sighs> it's one of the few records that when we're driving around, I can say, hey, can I put the record on? Uh, I need to be listening to it for the, uh, you know, for the podcast. Yeah. And if it's some, you know, there's, there's just a lot of stuff that she's not super into. Right. You know, join the club. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You guys have that in common. Yeah. (laughs) But she listened to a lot of Smashing Pumpkins growing up. It was like her go-to, like junior high school. Right. That was her jam. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, you know, to be to be fair, I listened to a lot of crap in junior high too. <laughs> but I'm bummed. No, nah, I'm I'm kidding, Christine. Jesus, <laughs> it's fine. It's just not my thing. Uh, I think, surely there's. I mean, there I, I, are really great things about the record that you sh- even that you can appreciate. Um. Yeah, like I said, the drumming is amazing. The recording of the drums, the tuning of the drums, the bass sounds great. I know uh, he played all the guitar and bass on this. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I like, so I know that you... Oh, here's something that I know. It, back then he played a Strat. Ah, that's the problem. So he's playing a Strat, <laughs> but it has like those, uh, you know, humbucker, single coil humbucker pickups in it. Yeah, like a Hot Rails or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um and he he played it through maybe a Rocktron preamp or a JMP preamp or some sort of a uh what was the thing uh elite uh, uh MP1. That's what it was. Whoever made that preamp. MP1, huh? I think it was called an MP1. Let's look it up. Uh, oh, the AD the A/DA thing. Is that what you're talking yeah. about the like mini yeah. preamp thing? Yeah, okay. that's yeah. that's what all the guitars went through. Huh. I don't remember who told me that, but someone told me that. Interesting. 
So yeah, I, I mean, how them. shreddery is that that he has a rack set up for his amp? <laughs> well, you have to remember that it was nineteen. No, I know whatever yeah, ninety one, and yeah. that's what unless you played with Tom Petty, that's what people used. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just no, like I know. that's what was out there. Yeah, um, and the truth is, coupled with a good tube power amp, they sound fucking great. It's not like a solid state thing. That's a tube preamp. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's a tube huh. preamp that is MIDI controlled. So what's like MIDI any, controlled about it? The different like presets. Okay. Like you can, yeah. Yeah. So, so is it effects go, or is it tone and stuff in the in the presets? Do you know? Because it doesn't do any kind of amp modeling, right? No, 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 no. It's just a preamp, and with like you know a hundred and however many presets. But what do the presets do? Add reverb and stuff, or just turn the tone? No, up and down? I don't think. It might have effects, but it, yeah, perhaps it does have effects. Let's so I was going to say, like, you know, the preamp on my amp has what? Oh, presence, it does have effects. Yeah, presence, bass, mid, uh, and highs. And that's it has it. some effects. Okay. So, yeah, it would change effects and, like, the amount, like, how hard you're pushing the preamp, like, how hard you're pushing those tubes. Right. Um, I remember... Uh, you know, I always thought, oh man, if I could only have one of those things, I would have an awesome guitar sound. And then I got to Seattle and started playing bass and I was just like, whatever, those things are lame. Yeah. Um, and then I, I went over to my friend's house and he had one of these things and it was like, not cool to have this. It was 1994. Right. Super uncool to have rack gear unless you were a bass player. Right. And, um, but he played it for me, and it sounded incredible. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Nice. It was great. That's great. And I was just like, I was stunned. Yeah. Yeah, you can pick them up for 115 bucks on Reverb, looks like. Well, I mean, it sounded sounded incredible 1995, 24-year-old years. Right, yeah. But who knows what I would think now. Now, I don't, I just don't care. Like, if it sounds good, it sounds good, and... If it doesn't, you know, tweak it. And if it can't, then it doesn't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not uh, opposed to it. I, I, I definitely, you know, for as high gain as the guitars on this record sounded, I figured they were boogies. He may have used boogies at some point. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, don't know. know, but um, it just, you know, it was super high gain, you know, so. Right. Very shreddy. Um, I, I'm into it. I, I I think this is a. I think it's a good record. I do. Th I mean, I know next to nothing about Billy Corgan. Um, I know that. I know that he's a 56 year old man that people still call Billy. Um, that's a little weird. <laughs> is it? I mean, there. What about Billy D. Williams? That's uh, true. I don't know. I don't. I feel like Billy D. Williams is so cool that he can get away with that. You know what I mean? Mm. What about um uh what about Billy Preston? Who's that? Why do I that name sounds familiar? What about Billy Cox? I don't know who These that is. These are incredible fucking musicians. Yeah, don't know them. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, I just thought I, I just it just dawned on me like What I'm about like, Billy Sheehan? Uh isn't that guy a bass player or something? Yeah. Yeah. See, I know about music. Um, yeah, I just, uh, it just dawned on me like, oh, this guy still goes by Billy. That just seems like such a little kid name. You know what I mean? Uh, Billy Preston played keyboards with 
the Beatles. Oh yeah, the uh, is that the dude, the black dude that played the Rhodes? Yeah. Okay. Super badass. Yeah. So uh, well, okay. So apparently the issue is you can be called Billy. You just have to be really cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> At least in my eyes. Well, here, yeah, I don't know. It's um, like I said, I don't know much. About this is coming from Billy a forty-six-year-old man called Jamie. So. <laughs> Not Jim. Yeah, not Jim, not James. Although, technically, my legal name is Jamie. It's not James. So, uh, Isn't James short for Jim? I mean, I guess James is a full name. Jim is short for James. Yeah, Jim is short for James. Typically, uh, kids that are named James will be called Jamie. Um, and then, typically, what happens is as people Who's get older, no, wh- they go What about their, Jack? Jack is short for... Um, I don't know. Uh... Hold on. What is Jack short for? It's short for fucking John. Jonathan. Jonathan is shortened to Jack. How really? fucking stupid is that? that? Yeah. That is really weird. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I think it's weird. I don't understand that. Yeah, it's it's weird that, um, you know, like, so Billy is Bill, which is William, right? Right. Like, it's crazy that you can have this name and have so many offshoots because you can go by Will, William, Bill. Billy. Willie. Willie. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I have I've never fr- known anyone named Wilson. I have a friend um, who's uh, from Scotland and his name is Sandy. And uh, I found out his real name is Alexander. And I was like, well, why do you go by Sandy? And he goes, oh, Sandy's short for Alexander. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Maybe it is. Uh, maybe it's a Scottish Alexander thing, but- is a pretty cool name. Yeah. I don't know why Alexander you, you, is a cool ass name. Yeah, it's interesting. I would go by Xander though. <laughs> you can go with uh Alex or Sandy. Like they're so unrelated, you know. But apparently that's uh okay. Why wouldn't you go by Xander and start it with an X? There you go. <laughs> you know, then you're that guy, the weirdo. Yeah. That people can't like they see your name written down and they can't pronounce it. Like in school <laughs> the day. <laughs> the day. Uh, uh, first day of school, you know, there's always, or the substitute teacher can't say the kid's name. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be hard mm. on those kids, man. Xander. Yeah. I was miserable with Jamie. So. Yeah, I bet. Thanks to, uh. I told you that I was almost named Cisco. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> uh. You should make that your stage name now that you're well known and 50. <laughs> 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 you're, you're, now you're now that you're in the Chris Gaines era of your life, you just yeah, decide to change, change, change your change your thing. <laughs> just change it all up. Yeah. Uh. So way late, like 2011. You know, I read an article, um, and I had just started to turn a corner because I wasn't like, whatever. Here's the thing. The first two records came out. So everything I'm saying about the Smashing Pumpkins mm-hmm. comes from through a lens of me looking back through time because I didn't listen to them in the 90s. Right. Except for this record. Okay. Right? Um, now, in the 90s, when I got to Seattle, I was just like not, you know, not listening to rock music. Yeah. Just wasn't into it. I was listening to whatever just anything but rock music pretty much um and so 
when I started to kind of like go, go back. So well, the good thing is I'm going back and hearing 90s music now through with fresh ears. Like I am not tired of so much of it. Yeah. It's great. But uh, I didn't know anything about him. And then I read this article like in 2011 or something like that. And it just was like really painted this unfavorable picture of him. And all, but he all, I mean, he, perhaps he was going through a bad time because he didn't like the, at least the way his quotes were presented, he wasn't, he also wasn't doing himself many favors, you know? Yeah. And it just was like, eh, I walked away from that flight, reading that magazine article and that flight just going like, man, what's going on with this dude? But I know people, um, in his band and they, seem perfectly happy yeah i mean to be fair uh there have been times where i've been interviewed and stuff that i said was taken out of context uh to purposely to make me sound bad so like when you would say things like kill them all let god sort them out <laughs> no, Jesus. like those quotes no 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 different than that yeah uh <laughs> were they were so they wrestling I, interviews they're um no I, uh, I'll, I'll tell you about a particular interview off air at some point. <laughs> so <laughs> I've said plenty of stupid shit in interviews. Yeah. I mean, I say plenty of stupid shit still. <laughs> right. It's kind of my thing. It's kind of my go-to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, I, I'd been taken out of context a bunch of times and felt so burned that, um, you know, not like people were wanting to interview me like crazy or anything, but I was just like, I'm not... <laughs> Not talking to interviewers anymore, just because it was, you know, I would have a good conversation with somebody, and then I would read um, the stuff and things I said were taken out of context, and it was just like it was bad, you know. And so I'm like, I'm I'm done with this. So, well, you know what, feel good shit doesn't sell ads. Yeah, that's true. That's probably why Couchers hasn't exploded because <laughs> you talk about the good news. I try to. I know. I want, uh, you know, I want the news to be good. Yeah. And if the news is bad, I want there to be a good option for people to get through it. Right. You know, is there anything wrong with that? Yeah. Yeah, there is. No. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm obviously not paying attention, Mike. Come on. (laughs) I'm sorry. Did you say something? (laughs) I'm just waiting to read my next joke. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how many notes do you just, have just biding my time i literally have hardly any notes for this so <laughs> and i don't have any jokes there's no there are no written jokes pre pre-written jokes there's no poorly pre-written jokes for this let episode. me ask you that was outside of wrestling was there ever a time when you saw yourself maybe being involved in entertainment that wasn't music like particularly maybe comedy were you ever a person that was like hey i bet i could do that and you tried to write jokes and you realized how fucking hard it was <laughs> no well um you know i i took some improv classes once and you did yeah um i was awful at it uh, a friend of mine well it's hard we, we thought it was um my friend ryan who i I've been playing music with forever was like, Hey, there's a stand up comedy class at this community college. You know, you w- I want to go. I think it'd be fun if we did it. And so we did it, but it wasn't stand up comedy. It was fucking improv, which I hate improv. And, uh, 
So anyways, we'd already paid the money. He was super into it. So, you know, and I wanted to spend time with him. So, uh, I did it for a few weeks and I was just terrible at it. <laughs> like they would like, they, like they would look at me and I would literally go, I got nothing. <laughs> you know? like, really? Yeah. It was so bad. And so eventually I quit and he continued with it and ended up, uh, doing some more classes and joined a improv group and all that stuff. And he was, I thought he was really good at it. He's super funny. Um, but yeah, I never, I never wanted to do stand up comedy or anything like that, you know? So music and, uh, I guess wrestling was entertainment. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So speaking of wrestling, tell me, tell me some, re- you know, who's a big wrestling fan? Billy Corrigan. Yeah, man. He owns the NWA now. What? Yeah, he owns the NWA now. I think he bought Is that it. Right? Yeah, he bought it in like 2017 or something. Huh. You which, think that makes him some money? <laughs> uh, I doubt it. I think it, if anything, it costs some money. Um, <sighs> but if it does, that's just an. A fine example of what a fucking passionate wrestling fan he is. Yeah. Yeah. He must be super into wrestling to buy the NWA, <laughs> which, you know, that <laughs> definitely made me like him more. So, uh, how awesome. I wonder if he did he ever suit up and wrestle? Like, did he no, ever pull any weird stunts like that? I, not that I know of. I think he's, because I think he's big. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know. No, I think he's like six, five or some shit. Really? How tall is Billy Corgan? <laughs> the fucking internet, dude. Oh, he's six foot three. Oh, he's tall. Jesus Christ. Wow. Yeah, he's tall. He's a big, big dude. Huh. What kind of name is Corgan? Uh, I don't know. You think he's some kind of Viking? He doesn't sound very <laughs> Viking-y. Maybe. Sounds pretty English. I think uh, he should, instead of playing guitar, he should have played the chord organ. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible yeah there was go. that written down no <laughs> just, I'm just, looking at just riffing just riffing just proving uh, yeah, just proving a- why once again i am bad at improv uh actually he, it's funny uh, i was actually talking fan. about a chord organ today with my grandma on our call on our sunday call i have a really? uh she had a chord organ when i was a kid that i loved and uh i figured out what the name of it was and what years it was made from. And I actually have like eBay searches out there that email me every day with, you know, results looking for right. to repurchase that cord organ she had when I was a kid. I want to, I want to, st- I want to stick with the wrestling thing for a minute. Okay. <laughs> you don't mind, do you? No. <laughs> uh, you were just, you were a kid, right? Yeah. So, when I was uh, when I was in high school, I met that uh, I met Zeus. Remember oh, him? okay, yeah, yeah. Met him. Yeah. Um, he was. They were rehearsing in this in like a warehouse next to the warehouse where I worked mm-hmm. in Everett, Washington. I don't know why they were rehearsing there, but there was a, a ring. Oh, they were. He, maybe he was training guys there. Yeah. Well, so he, they were in he, there. He's an actor. He's not actually a wrestler. Well, he was there teaching these guys wrestling. Oh, God. He's awful at wrestling. <laughs> well, you know what they say. Those who can't teach. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe that's part of his act. Right. <laughs> but we would watch him. They would, uh, we'd sit there on the bay and uh, eat our lunch and watch him do their thing. And they would invite us over there every once in a while. Yeah. 
Did you ever get in the ring? And uh, well, we got up into the ring after hours once because uh, the boss's son was was at the time married to my sister, and oh. he owned the you know his dad owned all this entire building complex. And so he had keys. And so we went in there and we like threw each other around a little bit. Yeah. And it's like, I don't want to fall on that. I like, it's not really padded. It's just no. plywood Yeah. on spring. So it's like, it gives, but man, it it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. You really need to know how to fall. And, um, <laughs> You know, the, the, the mat is a canvas. It's like a cotton canvas. So it's really easy to get rug burn, uh, like, like kind of like rug burn from that. Um, the ropes, they stretch. And then when you bounce off the ropes, they contract and can pinch like the pinch, the skin on your back real hard. Right. And yeah, it's not pleasant, you know? And then like, I wasn't into it. What's that? Did you, I wasn't into it. Do you, th- it never occurred to me, but did you did your learning how to fall in wrestling help you when you fell BMXing? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I um, huh. I I've always had really poor balance, I guess. Um, like when I live with John and Amy, like I fall down the stairs a lot, like a lot, and like and all the way and all the way down the stairs, right? Um, when I, when I first moved in with John and Amy, I falling down the stairs a few times, you know, and they jump up and come running over and they're like, Oh my God, you know, like, did you break your arm? Like, do we need to take you to the hospital? And you know, I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And it got to the point where <laughs> I would fall down the <laughs> stairs so often that they wouldn't even look up from the TV set. Like I'd be laying at the bottom of the <laughs> stairs and they're just watching Seinfeld or whatever. You know? <laughs> like it was that often of an occurrence. So, um, yeah, learning how to take falls in, uh, when I was, you know, a wrestler, uh, definitely helped me, help me, you know, learn how to fall down the stairs and also, um, crash on my bike. You know, I, like with BMX, I had zero talent for it. Um, it was all just trial and error. And, you know, I think I probably crashed 60% of the time. Like I crash more than anybody ever. I'm constantly crashing. And so, right. you know, being able to, you know, roll out of the falls and stuff like that was, was, was very helpful and saved me from a lot of broken bones. So, you know, God. you know, practical life skills. It's true. It, it actually worked out really well for me. So, I mean, God, to this day, like I'll be walking and I just like roll my ankle and I'm on the ground, you know, like, it happens all the time. It's crazy. So, yeah. Is everything okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Hey, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's not, you know, laying on the ground in pain is nothing new for me. So there was a rash for a little while there where I don't, I don't know what was going on, but like we'd be going to a restaurant or I'd be walking into the grocery store or whatever, but there would be banana peels on the ground. (laughs) Like actual banana peels? Yeah. Like it was like. I'm like, oh my, do I live in a cartoon? Like, what's going on? So, um, yeah, because I slipped on a banana peel in the parking lot at Fred Meyer and got all fucked up. And then... That, is that real? That really happened. And then um, uh, I think Jennifer was with me. And then I started to notice all, like, for like a six-month span, uh, 
like every few weeks, like I'd see a banana peel, like in an area where I was walking and I'm like, what the fuck? And so I started taking pictures with my cell phone of these fucking banana peels in my walkway. So I have a bunch of pictures of uh, banana peels in my, uh, wherever I'm walking. So are they, are they set up like a cartoon style banana peel or are they <laughs> right? Like on face their side, like a spent condom. Uh, it was hit or miss. So I, I think some people, of them were s- propped up like cartoon style, uh, enough to slip on. Yeah. So, but it was mm-hmm. mostly like somebody just ate a banana and then threw the peel out, you know, but still <laughs> that shit, that shit's that slippery. What the, I mean, how many bananas? I'd say, uh, I'd say this probably happened like six times. Really? Yeah. I, I didn't, I only slipped on one once, but like f- within like a six month period, I saw five more banana peels in my, <laughs> in, in, in the, you know, walkway of where I was going, where I'd never noticed banana peels before. So I don't think I've ever seen a banana peel on the ground. Oh yeah. No, I'll send you a pic. I'll send you some of the pictures. <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck? I don't know if there was like some kind of banana diet that people were like super into for like a fad diet for a little while there. And so, you know, some people were, you know, irresponsible assholes by throwing their banana peels on the ground. And that's why there was a rash of banana peels or what. But yeah, it was crazy for a little while there. That's really weird. Yeah. So, but yeah. You know what? You know what? Hmm. I wonder if. They saw that you had picked the one up and they knew you were so into backups <laughs> that they were like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they were like, well, he's got, he, he got that one. They don't know that you threw it away. Yeah. So they were like, we should leave a lot around here for him. <laughs> he needs a backup. Uh, it's like living in case in a, that first one breaks down. Yeah. It was like living in an episode of Tom and Jerry, dude. It's for crazy. Real? Yeah. Mm. What do you want to talk about? Um, I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't sound like we're going to talk about the record anymore. Well, there's a few more interesting things I read about uh, the pumpkins that uh, might be of interest to people. So, <laughs> this is a great quote. Tell me everything. So, uh, I was reading on. I don't know where I was reading it. Maybe it was their Wikipedia page, but it was uh, a section on uh, about people that talk shit about the Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> Really? Yeah. So, like, the uh, the dude from uh, Pavement uh, apparently wrote some song talking shit about him. And then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is a great line. Former Hooskadoo frontman Bob call- Bob Mould called them, quote, the grunge monkeys, unquote. <laughs> the grunge monkeys. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, the monkeys from the TV show. Yeah. No, I like the monkeys. I though. think I, I love the I, monkeys. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't sound like a... <laughs> That's not a burn. Well, I, I mean, I don't know if it was supposed to be a burn or not. I wouldn't consider it that, but I think it may have been meant to, to be that way. Um, right. And Fairly. then another interesting tidbit I read was until the Offspring Smash album came out in 94, Gish was the highest selling independently released album of all time. Really? Yep. So, yeah. That really? Yeah. What? Was that record on Frontier or some shit like that? It was on Caroline, which I think Caroline right. was... Um, Just distribution, basically, right? Yeah, Caroline uh, was distributed through Virgin, I think. Huh. So, like, Caroline was like a That's ba- big cool. indie, right? So, What knocked them off? Uh, Smash by The Offspring. Hmm. Yeah. And that was on, what, Epitaph? Yeah. Um, huh, that's interesting. 
Yeah, so fuck, good for them. Now, I mean, I wonder what that how that translates now because they're now nobody sells records, but a lot of people released a lot of fucking like pretty well selling, good selling independent records. Right. But I wonder how many albums Gish sold. Did you see that? I didn't. Chance? No. Or at least Why not? Why didn't I see that? Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't shown to me. I don't know. Uh <laughs> Let's see if we can find it here. Let's do a search for sales. Uh, well, it's platinum, so they've sold at least a million. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, right? I mean, it's no uh, Juno Award, but... <laughs> one, of the, one of those local uh, that's the, regional yeah. awards? Yeah, I mean, they didn't win the uh, Taste of Chicago Award or whatever, you know. No local award for them. Yeah, Caroline <sighs> Records. Uh, a million. So Gish received uh, certified platinum, one million copies on April first, twenty nineteen. So I mean, it took a while, but still, a million records is a lot of fucking records. I mean, I released a record in nineteen ninety four. We haven't sold half a million, <laughs> right? Just saying, it's done at least twice as good as any record I've put out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way of saying uh, of of making yourself look better. Yeah. At least twice as much. <laughs> really, it's like a thousand times as much. Yeah. Well, we still haven't sold out of the first 300 pressing of the 7-inch we released in 2008. <laughs> I have one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, know. Uh, I, 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 I mailed a... Uh, I mailed a 7-inch of uh, my band to Mike, and Mike never mentioned it <laughs> what so, do you mean like you never you like i mailed it to you and then i you never sp spoke about it so i don't know if you ever listened what? to it I, yeah you never said anything about it i was no, like no, no, i was no, like no, boy no, you must no, really no. hate that record <laughs> no no yep. no no that's no, no, totally no. what happened i'm almost certain that i still lived in portland when i got it um like i feel like you gave it to me maybe you handed it to me. Well, regardless, uh, I got you a copy, and, and then he never said anything about it. So, <laughs> what, you, what you mean? I never tweeted about it. You never said, "Hey, I listened to your record and I liked it," or "Hey, I listened to your record and it sucked," or anything like you never made what? mention of it. Yeah. So I'm like, oh man, Mike must have really not liked my record to literally say nothing about it. <laughs> no, that's that sounds crazy to me. I mean, is that true? Are you sure that's I'm true? Positive. Is this a fucking no? A I'm ab absolutely positive. I I can't believe that. Yeah, that sound that makes me seem like a real dick. No, no, I just um, you know, I was trying to make a you know, we were a hardcore punk band uh, in an era where hardcore punk wasn't that popular, and you know, <laughs> uh, I have friends that aren't super into hardcore punk, um, and. Anyways, my point, you'd made a joke about your record not doing as good as Gish, and then I made a joke, was trying to make a joke about my record doing so bad that you listened to it and didn't even respond. <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> hey, the only thing I want you to do is, uh, if you ever get to play that Ace Freely Les Paul, I want you to play one of my riffs on it, <laughs> and then tell me about I it. Can't, I can't foresee ever... Uh, playing Ace Freely's Les Paul. I thought you said uh, you were going to go to that guitar store and um, 
Do they have his actual Les Paul? Yeah, they have his uh, Les Paul Deluxe that he played up into up to through Destroyer, right? Huh. Yeah, because uh, it's been refinished and it was turned into a double cutaway and stuff. And uh, there was like a preview thing on on YouTube. This guy was like, "Oh, I got it." Was it. turned into a double cut. Yeah, his Tobacco Burst uh, Les Paul Deluxe. Ace had had it turned into a double cut and refinished black. It looks terrible, but it's the same guitar. Anyways, this is this guitar. That sounds gross. Oh, it's, it's totally fucking gross, but it's still the same guitar. And some guy on YouTube was like, he uh, got to play it and he posted a little teaser. Like, I'm going to get to play this. And I sent it to you and John and you're like, oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to that guitar store. I'll see if I can play that guitar. And then I was like, right. please just play a couple of chords from fuck me like you hate me on that guitar and let me know that you did that fuck me like you hate me being one of our songs and so that would like make me the happiest person ever to know that that happened and uh, well yeah if i get the opportunity if i do make it down to that guitar store and i know i'm going if i know i'm going to miami and i'm going to go there i'll learn the riff and i'll make sure to take a video uh, that would seriously be one of the coolest things ever to happen in my life. Well, <laughs> wow. Well, think about it. Like <laughs> a riff that I wrote got played on Ace Frehley's fucking, you know, this iconic guitar that Ace owned that I listened to as a little kid and made me want to play guitar. Like how, how is that not like one of the coolest things I could ever happen to someone, you know? I go back and forth about all that stuff. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, Greeny, wouldn't it be great to play that 59 Les Paul Burst? And then yeah. I kind of feel like, eh, eh, who cares? Like it's cool, but you know what the coolest thing about that guitar was? When fucking Peter Green played it. Right. That was the coolest thing about that guitar, you know? Yeah, but, you know. Um, because when Kirk Hammett plays it, he doesn't sound like Peter Green. Right. But it's, uh, it's something about that item being a part of history, you know what I mean, to me. Right. You know, that's the funny thing about, um, I've heard people talk about Ace's guitars and stuff before, and somebody pointed out, you know, they're like, why would Ace sell the Budokan, you know, Les Paul? And, and somebody was like, Ace doesn't give a shit. They're just guitars to Ace. It could be any guitar. You know, we're the ones that are assigning it, you know, this is Ace's guitar from this era and blah, blah, blah. You know, like Ace is like, it's just a fucking guitar he bought at a guitar shop, you know? Right. There's nothing mythical about it to Ace, but to us, that's part of the package. You know what I mean? Like seeing his fucking outfit from uh, the Love Gun era, you know, seeing his boots in real life, like that's so cool, you know, when... To Ace, he's just like, whatever, it's just fucking stage costume crap, you know? <laughs> like, right. So, um, so, you know, I see both sides of it, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Mm, have you ever seen that, my Paul Stanley art? <laughs> uh, do you mean art that uh, Paul painted and that you bought? No. Oh. It was, um, it's a photograph. And you can see the kiss sign, the lights in the background, mm -hmm. and then it's just his boots. It's a close up of his boots, uh, that and that's cool. it. It's pretty rad, actually. Yeah. I had it framed in this big gaudy frame. Yeah. Um, but with that kind of close up detail, you can see like 
you know, when you're a kid and you would just fantasize about right. these costumes and I know where like, this is wow, going. Yeah. So nice. It's just so chintzy looking. Yeah. That was, know? that was kind of how I felt when I went to Paisley park, you know, like right. you have this image of Prince just being this God and everything being perfect, you know? And like you look close up and you see like the hat pins holding shit together or, you know, the paint, <laughs> exactly. the, the paint chipping <laughs> off and you're like, Oh, this is just bullshit. Like I have, you know, like, right. It's just uh, some funny bullshit. Yeah. And it, it, you know, it was interesting to see the, the kiss costumes from the seventies when I saw them on that, uh, kiss convention thing that they did getting to see the costumes close up and you're like, Oh, that's all it is. Yeah. You know, you know, I, I don't want to say that it took away from the Has magic. Has anyone it didn't, seen but... my seven-inch leather heels? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and for me, like I'm, I'm a the type of person that is always curious about how things work. Um, you know, so most of the time when I'm watching a band, I'm looking at the PA or their amps or you know the lighting rig and. I, I just I, I love the whole all the stuff that goes into making the whole thing right you know and so yeah seeing the guitars or whatever and, and I mean I feel that same way about you know BMX bikes like you know oh this is the bike that Matt Hoffman pulled the first 900 on you know um or I was talking to a, a famous BMXer that invented a lot of stuff, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. And I was like, hey, whatever happened to such and such bike and such and such bike, you know? And he's like, oh, they were in a shed and the shed got broken into and somebody stole all of that stuff. And he was just like so matter of fact about it. And like a bunch of us were just like crushed, you know? <laughs> like these bikes are right. so iconic, you know? They were the bikes where this first trick happened or whatever. And you just like put them out in a shed behind your house and they got stolen. Like what the fuck, you know? And to him, yeah, they're just bikes, you know, whatever. Uh, but to us, they were like part of history. And you know? now they're so, someone else's bikes. <laughs> yeah, probably. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I went and saw that, um, that thing at the Met. Oh, you did? The yeah. Oh, uh, how was it? I mean, it's cool, but it's also, you know, there weren't that many things that I stopped and and really studied, you know? There were like, and especially the amps. Like yeah. there was like, and you know, this is timely, but it's like there was Eddie Van Halen's backline and it was kind of like, eh, you know, they're great. There's some fucking amps and there's a Variac, you know? Yeah. Cool. You know, whatever. Here's some guitars. They look just like a bunch of other people's fucking guitars, Right. right? The, the, I mean, the cool guitars are like the Eddie Van Halen guitar because it was heavily altered. Yeah. But if there was just like someone's fucking jazz master or someone's Les Paul, it's like Chris Snooze. Don't care. Huh. The coolest thing in the whole exhibit was a guitar that Pete Townsend smashed. Yeah. And then Rolling Stone magazine, um, they, they photographed him smashing it, right? Mm -hmm. And then they took it and then they, they put it inside of you know, plexiglass or plastic or some kind of shit. So it was like sort of reassembled inside of floating inside of this block. Right. You could probably find an image of it. It was incredible. That was the coolest thing in the whole exhibit, I think. Really? I didn't mean, that's they, the thing I... Didn't they have um, uh, Jimmy Page's number one Les Paul there? Who cares? Really? I mean, it's fucking rad, but the coolest thing about Jimmy Page's number one Les Paul is when Jimmy Page plays it. Yeah. Like, did he modify that? Yeah, but there's something about that being a part of history, you know? Sure. I mean, it's cool, 
but it's it wasn't like fucking wasn't like going and seeing some incredible fucking painting mm. you know yeah i i gotta disagree with you on that i would um you know i'd way rather see eddie van halen's marshall than a painting i can look at a picture of i guess i don't know dude you would rather look at an amp than see a painting? Probably, Look at yeah. an amp. It's not making any sound. It's just a fucking <laughs> I, I box. That. It's just a box sitting there, right? Not doing anything. But a painting, you can get right up on it and see the brush strokes and see detail that a photograph in a book or a scan on a computer can't possibly portray to you. But here's the thing. Unless that painting was an important part of my life, um, who gives a shit? Or, well, I shouldn't say who gives a shit. Well, you're saying that if you hadn't had any previous experience with an incredible painting, if you saw it, it would mean nothing to you. No, even if no. But I am saying that's that, what it sounded like. That um, if there are physical pieces of something that helped create something that was very important to my life, I would be way more interested in that, you know, like I would be way more interested in seeing, uh, the prop that was Luke Skywalker's lightsaber than some painting that I'd never seen before and got to see, you know, um, I would be way more interested in, in seeing, uh, you know, like these songs really get interwoven into the fabric of your life and of, of your story and of different times of your life. You know, it's like when I listen to certain songs, they um, bring me back to like certain summers, you know, it's like the summer that we rode ramps and we, all we did was listen to Depeche Mode and the cure, you know, like summer of 89, man, that's all we fucking listen to. Um, and so it would be cool to see, some of the items that helped make that music that was so important to me that summer, you know, which was a wonderful summer for me. Um, to me, that's the equivalent of like seeing a wheel off of a bike. It's like, eh, I don't know. Or a tire. It's like, there's the tire, but in and of itself, it's nothing. But if that tire was the tire that was in a photo of a poster that hung over my bed that I stare at for hours, I would be incredibly interested to see that tire in real life. Yeah, I just, I guess I just don't yeah. care about seeing amps. And there were a lot of, ba- <laughs> and the, the Who backline was there too. Really? And you see, like, I think there was, there might have been a Who drum kit even. You know, every and time that was, I- that's kind of cool, but it's like, I, you know, I think there was a Stevie Ray Vaughan guitar, and that's cool because it was fucking, you know, well played. Right. That thing was pretty beat up um and it's cool to see the uh, pages les paul sure but eddie's guitar was kind of the coolest thing there but really pete's guitar the smashed one because hmm. that that was like that was unique that was like gazing into a crypt you know yeah yeah i um i was hoping to just literally buy a ticket to new york go to the thing and then come home I wanted to see that stuff so bad. And I'm really like fly, fly red eye and then see it and fly home the same day. Pretty much. Or, or, you know, stay over one day or whatever. You know, whenever I go to LA, I make a, um, I make it a point to go to guitar center in on uh, sunset or whatever it is. And they have, really? um, out front, they have, uh, a, a 
gla uh, glass display cases, and inside the display cases, they have a lot of rock and roll memorabilia. Yeah, I yeah. think I spend more time outside looking at the memorabilia than I do inside looking at anything for sale. And I right. mean, they got a bunch of great vintage equipment, you know? Like, I mean, they have Peter's uh, snare drum from the Can-Am tour, the Love Gun tour. Uh, they have a pair of Paul Stanley's boots. They have... Uh, uh, um, Kurt Cobain's. They said that the Steve Vai flame guitar. I, I remember seeing that when I was a kid, and it was like, whoa. Yeah. Um, they have Kurt Cobain's uh, Jaguar with the um, humbuckers in it. You know, like, that's all really cool stuff to see, you know, uh, in real life, to have it, you know, a few feet away from you when, you know, you've seen it in videos or photos or whatever, um, for it to just be right there, you know. Is super I told cool you to that I am all of a sudden fascinated with jaguars, right? You did. You did. What's what? What's up with that? Why you're into jaguars all of a sudden? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, was it from listening to the uh, Smiths episode or uh, <laughs> recording the Smiths episode? That was he a jaguar guy or a jazzmaster guy? Uh, ja well, it's funny. He has a signature jaguar out, and he's had one out for a while, but. To my knowledge, when he was in the Smiths, he always played like the 335 or the Les Paul or Rick. Right. So uh, it's kind of weird that he has a signature Jaguar out. And I I, I mean, I know he's super into playing those now. Um, but yeah, I, th I thought it was interesting that he would get a signature Jaguar when that wasn't really associated with him at all, you know? Well, if that's what he's playing now, then that's yeah. what he's playing now. I, I mean, Eddie Van Halen wasn't associated with playing Charvet, uh the, Whatever. The wolf Peavies. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's true, I guess. Well, uh, didn't he design that? Yeah, I guess so. so yeah. Co-designed. I mean, it'd be like all of a sudden Ace Freely getting a signature Strat, you know? You'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> fucking. Oh, God. It'd be another way that Ace could him. disappoint me. <laughs> right. Speaking I, of which, uh, have you listened to his new record? <laughs> No, I bet it's it's a covers album, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it's a covers album. I don't need to hear him doing fucking Mississippi Queen or whatever he's doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, this would be a one-two punch of uh, shit that you would hate, which would be uh, listening to Ace Frehley's new, new record and me playing songs on the podcast. Ugh. No, don't do it. <laughs> don't Come on, do you don't want to do hear it. Ace play Good Times, Bad Times from Zeppelin? Ugh. No. What is he tuned to D? Oh, yeah. But D standard? Yeah. Uh, probably E flat. No, that's not E flat. Maybe he is tuned to E flat. <laughs> yeah, uh, so he, <laughs> he opens the record with good times, bad times, uh, jumping jack. No, flash. that's D. That's D. Is it D? Oh, God, he's... Okay. Jumpin' Jack Flash? Yeah, Jumpin' Jack Flash. He does Lola. Um, what a dick. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't recognize any of the other ones, so... Uh, I think 30 Days in a Hole, isn't that like a... Skinner? Humble Pie? Oh, yeah, Humble Pie. He does Manic... I don't know. He does Skinner's manic. your go-to for Whatever. 80s, 70s boogie rock that <laughs> you don't know what uh -huh. it is. Uh, he does like, manic, he does manic depression, which I think is a is that a Steve Ray Vaughn song? 
Oh, I, let me Google I'm, this stuff. I'm not Guffy. Yeah, I, I'm not going to fucking bite on that. Manic depression. Are you, you're, you're not, you're, you're not serious. It is, uh, oh, um, it just brings up a bunch of stuff. Oh, great. Now I fucked up my fucking Google search. It's now thinks I have bipolar disorder. God damn it. Song. Oh, it's a Hendrix song. You're not Sorry. really looking it up, right? Yeah, I was. Wow. It's a Hendrix song. In case you didn't know. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. And then, Thank you. And then uh, there's some other ones. We got to get out of this place. Is that a... <laughs> Anyways, Seriously? Origins Volume 2. I will say, uh, so I did listen... Wait a minute. I'm looking at it, and he actually covers a Kiss song, too. Yeah, she. Yeah. Did yeah. he write that one? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> do you think that gene was the executive producer on this and he was like i think gene's probably all fine right ace with it now listen uh, gene's getting a cut i need of it. you to cover one of my songs so that i can get some publishing yeah, on right? this thing <laughs> so i did uh so speaking of ace's solo album i did buy uh so when peter left kiss he put out uh his well, technically, his second solo album called Out of Control. And uh, I bought a copy of that on vinyl. And uh, I, lo I love his 78 solo album. This one was hard to get through. <laughs> I did force Jennifer to listen to it with me, though. How, uh, how'd it go? Not, not well. She was very unhappy about it. She, was, she had some great one-liners, which I wish I would have wrote down. But yeah, she was, she was not into it. It's not good. <laughs> well... Uh, I mean, not good music is not good music. Yeah. What does she think about accidental gun death? Um, she thinks it's the best band in the world. <laughs> uh, no. Um, For those listening, that is the name of Jamie's hardcore punk band. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever asked her, although I, I do know she's been to almost every show. So she's, uh, definitely a fan. <laughs> does she load your gear uh, no she does not do that so she does own a few t-shirts and uh, yeah i'd say she's a super fan super fan yeah she's willing to fuck the singer i mean <laughs> she, she's quite the groovy for the band <laughs> that's great yeah well i mean that's a solid enough argument for me. <laughs> yeah, right. Ah, uh, fuck. Uh, I'm going to fucking go to sleep. We, hey, we got to grade this thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know what? How's this going to go? Sorry. It's going to go fine. And and I think I'm going to make you happy by saying this. So the other day I was looking at uh, something on Wikipedia, some album, and they have a little grid of... Um, album ratings so it's like all music gave it this and then rolling stone gave it such so on and so forth and you know spin magazine gave it this grade or whatever and i was like ah oh, you know what i know mike wants to do that thing where we average the grade out and as a podcast we give it a grade if we did that then we could totally put <laughs> the golden showers grade on the wikipedia for every one of the albums <laughs> <laughs> So you, you're dying to find a way to put, to exploit our record <laughs> reviews onto people's Wikipedia Oh pages. yeah, dude, that would just tickle me to see like <laughs> a fucking bad grade on a bad album, like a wiki page. That would be so great. So 
I would love to see our album grade show up on the Kid A Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of chatter about Kid A because it's the 20th anniversary. And I keep wondering, like, I keep looking at these articles and doing a search. I'm like, did they mention Golden Showers? Come on. <laughs> what? Did they mention what? Golden, cho- golden Shower. Fuck you. Just saying. It's your podcast, buddy. I know. You, yeah. should, you should say it right. Yeah. Can you imagine if you... If you <laughs> If you mispronounced your wife's name regularly, <laughs> it would drive her crazy. Yeah. Although you probably do sometimes just to get in her fucking, <laughs> get in her business. Nah, I, I can get her riled up with uh, plenty of other things. So, yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So who's going to go first? Why don't you go first? Solid, solid B. Hey, there you go. I was, yeah, I was solid B. I was hovering around B to B minus. So really, yeah, and uh, only because, and it's only based on my the record. You know, once a record is recorded, it is the same record always. Right. But this is a record that I cannot put on and have it uh, and have the same experience every time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, no, because I have the same Because it's such a time. moody, vibe-oriented record. Like, if I put it on and I'm in a great mood, it just is great. If I put it on and I'm in a bad mood, or a fucking less than great mood, mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, it doesn't doesn't improve it. But if I put on Yank Crime, my day is always better. Hmm. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, so I have the same experience every time I listen to it, which is... I put it on and I go, man, I like this. And then by the end, I'm like, I fucking hate this. So, <laughs> so if it was three songs long, you would give it an A plus. Probably. Well, yeah, I'd probably give it an A. Wow. Well, maybe A minus because I think uh, if they had a different singer, it would be significantly better. <clears throat> but whatever. I, I, I mean, you know, having that guy sing seems to be working out for him. So. That's what I'm saying, man. <laughs> he sold some t-shirts. I think. <laughs> I think the only reason I give it a B and not an A minus is that because because it's a vibe record and not, you know, there aren't like traditional songs. Although Yank Crime doesn't have songs either. No. It's just like, but the energy of that record is, you know, oppressively good. Yeah. Is this the first album that we've ever given equal grade to? Well, I did give it a B minus. <laughs> you did? Uh, yeah. Now, I, I Is this think going to be it, the first one that we don't fight about. Probably. Uh, well, no, I don't. I don't think that we fought about uh, Zeppelin. Um, I don't think we. I think we gave a similar grade and didn't fight about Hunky Dory. Uh, I think we both like Drab Majesty. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. So you know, <clears throat> got a couple. Huh. So next week, what? Man, a, what? A, it's almost disappointing that we didn't fight. <laughs> <laughs> well, normally I, I fight with you about grades just to make John happy because I know he loves that discussion and our back and forth about grades. What do we got next week? Uh, next week is Rival Schools United by Fate. Oh, you're stoked. Yes. You're fucking stoked. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great record. Have you, have you listened to it? I've never. Really? Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoy it. I mean, I'm sure that I will. Um, I I like quicksand. Yeah, it's funny. I was never really a quicksand fan. 
Um, not that I didn't like quicksand. It's just I was never that uh, exposed to it. So Right. Did you ever go back and listen to it? Uh, I've, I saw them play when they came and played in Portland. Um, and it was good, you know, but I didn't have any, like, connection with it. So, right, you know. What about the connection of you listening to the music as they played it? I liked it. Yeah. Can't all be nostalgia, Jamie. No, but here's the thing. Seeing live music is not a great... Uh, seeing Careful live, what you say right now. <laughs> seeing live music is not always a great way to experience music. Um, this is the fight that we're going to have. <laughs> uh, no, it really depends on the venue and um, the PA, you know? For sure. So, you know, there, you know, sometimes you can go to the Rose Garden and it's like, I can't, I can't make out any instrument, you know, it's just all boom or, you know, whatever, or I can't make out the vocals. Like it's just bad mixing PA, whatever, uh, location you, you, where your seats are, you know? Um, I mean, honestly, I feel like the best place to experience music is in a fucking basement of a, you know? standing right in front of the band mm. although that Sometimes, is a little loud but <laughs> well yeah you also some you just don't get a very like you get a fair representation of the energy of the band that yeah. way but because you know as a venue gets larger that energy transference dissipates right, right yeah but i don't know man i, I mean you know, at a good club um, is a great place to see, you know, as long as you have a great, um, sound person and PA, you know, um, but I, I've been to plenty of live shows where I've been disappointed by the sound, you know? Oh. And so, yeah, I don't know that discovering a band's music for the first time at a live show is always the best place to discover it, you know? But you can tell if they're, if they are fucking great or if they suck. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and, and it's like, uh, you know, it's like Kiss's first couple of albums are sonically not great, uh, but the live no. the live album's way better, and it's because that and energy half the and, songs sound like fucking shitty bar band songs, right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's definitely been bands where I'd never heard them before, and I saw them live, and I was like, holy fuck, these guys are amazing. Like Milai, uh from Chicago in the mid '90s are unbelievable. Um, and you know, listening to their record left a lot to be desired compared to seeing them live, you know? So. Right. Really? Yeah. Milai. <laughs> I don't know what that is. They're, uh, they're, uh, like a crazy punk band from Chicago from the mid nineties that, um, so we played a show in Chicago and Milai opened up for us. And they, everything that I thought that we did that was good or was special, they did a hundred times better. Like they were <laughs> faster, they were tighter, their song arrangements were amazing. The vocals, the drummer was fucking unbelievable. Like everything. We, the three of us from Accidental Gunda, we just stood at the front of the crowd, like with our mouths open. We we're blown away. And then when we got on stage, we're like, all right, y'all may as well leave because we cannot fucking top that. Like, we're not even going to come close to that, you know? Like, and uh, 
we were lucky enough to play with them a couple more times. Thankfully, we opened for them after that uh, when we played like in Champaign, Urbana, um, at Peoria, Illinois, stuff like that. And um, they were unbelievable. Uh, they eventually broke up and their sound guy, uh, I'm sorry, uh, their guitar player uh, moved out to Portland and opened the Blackbird. I don't know if you remember that venue that was here. Yeah, of course. Um, but, I I ran the door there once oh. when Fat when Fat Elvis played. <laughs> nice. Anyways, uh the guitar player, he owned the Blackbird and um he uh we went there to see I think we went there to see Jay Mascus. Um it was like Jay Mascus in the fog or whatever. Anyways, we see him we just like run into him. We didn't know he lived in Portland. He didn't know we lived in Portland. It was just like amazing to see him. And uh it was funny we were like catching up with them and we're like, Oh, it's so cool that you live in Portland. And we were like kind of hoping to like do something musically with them. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm moving back to Chicago. And we're like, why are you moving back to Chicago? And he's like, the problem with Portland is everybody looks like they're cool and it's hard to tell who's actually cool. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, every, every, you know, like in the Midwest, it's like everybody's wearing, you know, football jerseys and whatever. And you're like, okay, whatever, you know? And then you see the person wearing the Baja shirt or, you know, right. there's that like, oh, there's my tribe, you know, there's my kind of person, you know? Uh, but in Portland where everybody looks like that, it's hard to find your people. And so he was like, I, I'm just, I'm moving back to Chicago. And so um, unfortunately he moved back to Chicago and he had some issues and uh, he ended up taking his own life a few years ago. And oh, I, fuck. yeah, I actually found out about it like maybe a year ago. Um, there's a bunch of write-ups about him in the Chicago papers and the Portland papers, but I totally missed it at the time. And yeah, just, uh, committed suicide. I think he had a, I think he was married and he had a, you know, under five-year-old kid and yeah, it must've been, um, whatever was happening must've Jesus been really hard Christ. to deal with. So Yeah. But Milai was just this crazy noise punk band that was amazing. Um, they have a seven-inch out called Pony Boy or uh, Pony Soldier. That's really good if you can find it. And uh, it's bananas, dude. So anyways, yeah, I'm glad we got to talk about Milai. They definitely deserve it. Huh. <laughs> I, don't think you're, I, don't, I don't think your wife would like it. If she doesn't like fast, <laughs> heavy yeah. uh, stuff, she's not going like, uh, to like Milai, So, Did you ever get into party time? Uh, no. Did we talk about this? Uh, I feel like we did. And I was going to bring up this other band with a similar name with a super funny story. And I couldn't think of it like two episodes ago. And now that you, and I literally woke up the other day and remember the name of the band. So <laughs> yeah. Tell me about party time. Oh, it's just some of the guys from, um, Red Fang. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. Yeah. Party. Anyway. Party time. That's uh, it was great. I loved that band. Yeah, they were great. Do you know? All right. Uh, uh, there's a. Um, have you ever heard of the band Party Cannon? No, but that sounds like a good time. Let me uh, let me set, let me text this to you. So Party Cannon is a death metal band. Uh, wow. But they have it's Party Cannon, and you know how every death metal logo is like all spiky, and it's just you know it's a white logo yeah. on black, and it you know it's so fucking gnarly you can barely read what it says. Party right. Cannon's logo is like multicolor and it's like poofy letters and it looks <laughs> it looks like, you know, like the name of a party store. <laughs> so <laughs> it's fu- it's fucking hilarious 
on like the show flyers because it's all these like metal bands where you can't tell like even what the name is and then the just party cannons just sticking out there like with like five colors in the font <laughs> it's great i just sent you a screenshot of a of a festival they played it's the most least most death metal logo possible it's fucking awesome i love it party cannon <laughs> so good dude yeah, I'm going to I'm going to sleep. All right, man, that sounds good. It's almost midnight here. Oh my god, what's you, next week? You got to get up at five in the morning and drink eggs and run because you're a marine, right? Yeah, thirty years ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next week, rival schools. Rival schools. United by fate. All right, time to go. All right, buddy, get some rest. Uh, have a good night. All right, you too. Bye. Bye.